When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast, which as you know by now is our predictions podcast. So I am joined by Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Marie, Scott Patsko, and Ashley Bastock, and we come up with a bunch of predictions for Sunday's game against the Lions. And actually beyond, Mary Kay brings up a killer prediction uh, for us to discuss. It's after the commercial uh, that you'll hear midway through or yeah, maybe whatever, doesn't matter. Talking about timestamps. You don't want to hear about timestamps. But it's about Baker Mayfield and his contract. So you'll want to make sure you stick around for that. And of course, stick around till the end when we make our game predictions. Football Insider subscribers, of course, get texts from us. They get a daily newsletter delivered to their inbox and they get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. So you should be one of them. Go to cleveland.com slash browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. All right. Hey, let's do some predictions. Our Friday Orange Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, making our predictions. Uh, so last week, look, I guess we've had some people suggest that maybe we should go back with, uh, with what we got right and wrong last week. I'll just put a big blanket statement out there that we all predicted the game wrong. We all predicted the Browns would win the game last week. Obviously did not happen. Did not even come close. I went back and found my prediction from last week on the pod. Uh, I said Anthony Schwartz would have over two and a half catches. I was wrong on that. Uh, it also, I was reminded that we aren't allowed to do any more Anthony Schwartz predictions. So those are right. gone. I, I was until... I was not on the pod last week. I'm just double checking. That two and a half catches for Anthony Schwartz, was that for last week or for his career? You were <laughs> well, it's, trend, it's trending towards the latter at this point. Okay. Um, but yeah. Hey, you know what? That's good, Doug. That's my spin zone right there. Um, I don't know. Did anybody else remember their predictions from last week? Doug, you were suspended last week for not making a pick uh, the previous week against the Bengals. Mary Kay, you remember yours? Oh, my gosh. Yes, I remember mine. And I'm very bummed out about it because I predicted that Dearness Johnson would rush for 100 yards and he rushed for 99. I mean, come on. <laughs> and that pretty much sums up uh, – the day and our our predictions pod from last week but yeah one yard short i mean i was looking pretty good when he rushed four times for 58 yards on the first drive i was like i am so golden somebody even you would even tweeted at me saying look at her she's at it again <laughs> and there he did got to uh he got to 99 scott you had something about the tight ends i don't know if you remember it, it was i did my prediction was that uh two tight ends would lead the team in targets and catches. And that looked really great uh, by halftime. I think Cooper was actually leading the team in targets and catches. Bryant um, had, he was tied with two, three other people with one catch and that was second. So I guess technically it was kind of right at that point, by the end of the game, that wasn't the case. Um, Landry and Dearness Johnson had, had, uh, had overtaken him, but I, I want to, I feel like I kind of, got like a backdoor prediction right in understanding the wide receivers were going to play such a small role in that game. 
So I, I'm giving myself partial credit for that one. Can I do that? There's a lot, sure. of, lot of spinning <laughs> happening here. There's a lot of uh, a lot of ifs and buts going on. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Podcast. My, my other, Actually, I was gonna say my other prediction was that they would mention that wrongly that the Browns fired Bill Belichick during the broadcast, and I don't believe anybody ever brought that up. So that's good. <laughs> Do you remember yours, Ashley? Unfortunately, and I can tell you there is no spin involved in mine with how <laughs> wrong it is because I predicted that the Browns defense would hold the Patriots to under 85 rushing yards. And not only was I very wrong, <laughs> the Patriots, Patriots rushed for 184 yards, but it was a, and I've written it a couple of times now, a season worst performance for the Browns run defense. So I have no spin. I have no explanation. Uh, that's that's pretty much all there is to say about it. All right. Well, Ashley, you get to lead us off this week. So if you're wrong again, everybody's going to hear it. This isn't going to yeah. be uh, people tuning out at the end. Thank you for <laughs> all of the pressure. Thank you. I appreciate it. So looking at some numbers before we came out to record this, the Detroit defense currently giving up about 244 passing yards per game that ranks them 16th in the league uh they also are according to pro football focus ranked 31st with a 36.2 coverage grade so i am predicting that jarvis landry has the best game of the season for him so far um so yardage wise that mark right now is 71 yards that he had against the Chiefs he's made no more than five receptions in a single game so given that it is the Lions I am hopeful that he can exceed those marks this this week Okay so Jarvis Landry so over 71 and over five receptions for Jarvis Doug you were about to say something No that, that sounds right that 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 sounds right to me and I'm curious. It's not like, you know, Mary Kay, you were the one there asking the question. It's not like Jarvis was pounding the table exactly for the ball, but do you think coaches react to that at all? Mary Kay, either that just their own personal knowledge of like, Hey, we're not getting this guy the ball. We're going to make it a point or when a guy is noticing and maybe says something like, "Will the Browns try on purpose to get Jarvis Landry more involved this week because, because of what has not happened recently. I think they will make a concerted effort to try to get Jarvis the ball more, but not because he said something, uh, just because really it is the right thing to try to do. I mean, especially when you don't have Odell Beckham Jr. here anymore. When you've got Donovan Peoples-Jones overriding the uh, the bike, the stationary bike today, uh, you're going to have to get Jarvis the ball. I mean, you you know, you really can't just rely on your tight ends. You you've got to try to give the defense a little something else to think about, and it's definitely time to get the ball into the hands of Jarvis. And Alex has Vance Pelt has mentioned it. Uh, Kevin has mentioned it. And so I think they will really try to do it. So I think I would also, um, I might go with the over on this as well. I, I think that they're going to get them on track and get rolling for the home stretch. This, this was almost my prediction. Uh, I was really thinking they're going to lean into it. And I'm thinking that it, it does make sense that it would happen because we've kind of seen that happen before with them. Maybe sometimes just happened in a game where, where uh, either he or, you know, Odell didn't have, uh, a lot of looks or it's happened where you get to the end of that first half or you get to the 
sometimes the end of the first quarter or deep into the second quarter. And you're like, geez, like, you know, this Odell or Jarvis has not been a part of this offense. And then they've, they've really kind of force fed it. Um, happened a lot with Freddie kitchens. Uh, but, um, but yeah, this was almost mine. So I'm going to take the over. I think that that is, that's going to happen. Jarvis is going to be involved. And it, it might just be sort of out of necessity because like who else is going to catch the ball outside of, you know, the tight ends, obviously, oh. but like. I'll, I'll tell you who else is going to catch the ball. Oh boy. <laughs> DPJ is dealing, with a, is dealing with a groin injury. Um, you know, I just don't know. You're going to run Jojo Natson out there again. I think you do have to get Jarvis involved. I did have some flashbacks today to, you know, when Alex Van Pelt was talking about, we just have to find ways to get Jarvis the football. I had flashbacks to Todd Haley sitting at the podium and saying, after Nick Chubb rushed for like a hundred yards on three carries. Well, I just gotta, I, you know, we just have to get Nick Chubb the football. This was back in his rookie year and they just didn't do it. So sometimes that happens, but I don't think this group is going to be like that. I think they're going to make an effort to get Jarvis involved, whether it's short, short, quick passes, maybe get him down the field a little bit. Um, They're going to figure this out. This is the week to kind of, this is the week to get right on a lot of fronts. And I think Jarvis is going to be front and center in that regard. I think too, like Jarvis needs a week like this, right? Like he still doesn't have a touchdown reception either. Like I really think obviously we talk so much about how important he is to this team, especially in the locker room and things like that. But um, I really think kind of like you're saying, Dan, like if you're going to do it, this is the week to do it basically against this Lions defense. Okay. Did we all get in on that one? I think so. All right. Um, So Scott, you said you had yeah. one. You said you told us who was going to be the who was going to catch the football. So tell us. So this week is really tough because the Lions' pass defense, like Ashley said, is they're bad. Um, but also, it's going to be windy and rainy on Sunday. Um, but I'm I'm disregarding that. Uh, Landry, yeah, I do think he's going to go out of targets, but he's been banged up. DPJ, like we've said, banged up. Schwartz still dealing with a concussion. Um, all those guys have missed some practice time this week. So I'm going to stick with the pass game. And I think this is a Rashard Higgins game. If you're the Lions defense, you're going to focus on Jarvis Landry because he is the best weapon, probably the most healthy weapon they're going to have. Um, at least out of the guys who have played the most, you're not sure if DPJ is even going to play in this game. So I think they focus on, on Landry. And I think Rashard Higgins has, has a big game. I'm saying 10 targets for Rashard Higgins and he walks the red carpet. Uh, at least once um, he's that, that would not be a career high for him. He's had 11 target games. He's had, he had 10 targets uh, in that shootout against the Ravens last year. I don't think this game will be a shootout. I think the weather will have something to do with it, but there's going to be, uh, there's only so many targets to go around among these receivers. They're not going to have a lot of healthy guys. And I think Richard's going to benefit from that. He's going to be on the field more than the normal. And he's finally, I think going to get those targets. So I'll say 10 targets for Richard Higgins. Is this a grift, some kind of long con by you? What is happening? How is the the? I know. I just spent a whole week saying they don't throw their their wide receivers, and everybody should accept it. But now I'm saying this dude is going to get ten targets. You're this is no this like isn't your book going to be out for Christmas? Why the Browns hate Rashard Higgins by Scott Pasco? I think it's going to be a holiday favorite. 
10 if he targets? Ten targets. If he doesn't, this is a whole chapter right by itself. I much they hate him. I feel so set up. My head is spinning. I'm going under. I don't know what you're trying to do to us, Scott. I don't know what you're trying to do to Rashard Higgins, but it's not going to work. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'll go under. Well, you know, I, I think that, first of all, you know, as we're taping this, we just watched practice. I just uh, watched Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, do a really, really nice job on the stationary bike for uh, the first half hour of practice. So who knows what's going to happen with him? It's tough when your sort of deep threat guy is, uh, has a groin injury. And we watched, we saw that he did that in practice on Wednesday. So that's pretty difficult. And then Anthony Schwartz has a concussion, as you mentioned, and uh, somebody's got to get the ball. Somebody's got to get the ball, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be Richard Higgins. Um, I still think that sounds high for him. I actually think that if they were going to give somebody 10 targets, I don't know. I, I mean, it would be Jarvis, but uh, I think your second most targeted guy would be a tight end after that. So I'm not necessarily feeling the 10 targets for Richard. I can understand why you're going there, Scott, I think sort of. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but it does feel a little bit high to me. So I'm going to go under on that. I'm also going to take the under just looking at his numbers for the season, but also the last couple of weeks against Cincinnati, he got no targets and against new England last week, he got one, um, his season high looks like seven against Minnesota. So uh, yeah, I'm definitely, we've talked so much about, we don't know what is going on with him in terms of why he has been a non-factor these last couple of weeks. So I'm going to guess that trend probably still continues against the lions. Maybe not as bad as the last two weeks, but not 10 targets. I almost want to say this feels Come on, just Dan, crazy. come on, go big or go home. A part come of on. me is like, this feels just crazy enough. It might work. I don't know if I can go there yet. I just can't. I've been wrong on too many predictions. The equity isn't there. I've got to, I've got to take the under here. I have to. I, I mean, the one thing in Scott's defense is I was surprised. Odell's gone, and in the Cincinnati game, they're like, our three receivers are Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Anthony Schwartz. And Rashard Higgins is not involved. There's no rotation. He did not get a snap until Donovan Peoples-Jones got hurt. So that's what they thought of him in the aftermath of losing a receiver. But who else is going to play this week? <laughs> like Anthony Schwartz isn't going to play. Donovan Peoples-Jones may not play. I, I mean, even if they want to put two receivers on the field, they have to play Rashard Higgins potentially. And I do think as part of the Rashard Higgins storyline in Cleveland, the you only play me when you have no other choice, and that's when I show you what you've been missing, has shown out before. Mm-hmm. that they never choose him. And as Scott has pointed out, why did they bring him back? Why did you? He's behind everybody on the roster who's not like a practice squad guy. Why did you act like re-signing him was some kind of thing that you actually cared about for this? Because like, well, uh, I mean, if there's like literally nobody else that we can play, I guess I mean, Rashard and Baker know each other. So that like that almost does make it almost right scott that's what you're yeah. leaning into 
They don't want to play him, but they might have to. They're going to have to. And then here we go. Break glass only in case of emergency. Well, I think it's an emergency this week. Doug, what do you have? So I'll go passing game also. And I was just very uh, wound up about the fact that they did not complete a pass more than 10 yards down the field last week. And if you're talking about like who can you have to have somebody, I know that they, they were 0 for 7, I think. You have to have somebody who can make a play to try to open up something else. And if DPJ is on the bike, it's like, well, who is it? And I think it's David Njoku. And I think the idea of he had um, two catches of that the ball in the air against the Chargers a million years ago now. He had some big plays. There was one that was 15 yards in the air plus the catch and run. And another was 20 yards in the air catch and run. So I'll David Njoku, two catches at least 10 yards down the field where the ball travels. Again, it makes it sound like the ball travels at least ooh 10 yards. Wow. What a deep passing attack they would have now. But if they want to do, if they want to threaten anybody, I think he has to be the guy. And I think they have to try to threaten a defense at the second level. And so I think you have to do it like to work it out for the Ravens. And the terrible pass defense the Ravens have that Mary Kay has astutely been on top of for several weeks. But if you're only throwing six-yard passes against the Ravens all the time, well, then you're not even testing their pass defense. So I think they have to force themselves to do it, and he's their best chance to succeed. So, like, basically two big-time throws to David Njoku. How big-time, though? No, but I'm saying, like, just just that the, that the ball travels at least 10 yards in the air before he catches it. So no, when I, I go on, on next-gen stats – or whatever, I can see Baker Mayfield complete a pass more than 10 yards down the field, which he did not do last week. So I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's, that's it, but at least that's a little bit of a threat. So it's statistically not in our hearts. How does it feel statistically (laughs) on the next gen stat chart? I want to see the little green dot 11 yards down the field or more. I cannot let you get away with this little tiny miniature prediction. You got to come bigger than that. I mean, David Njoku, two 11-yard passes. No, no, no. you got to go bigger than that. They they didn't do th- last week. They didn't throw anything but six-yard passes. For this passing offense, this would be a gigantic accomplishment. That's not a bold prediction. I can't accept it. I am uh, I am rejecting, I am rejecting right. that. You got to go All bigger. Right. All right, nine. <laughs> nine. <laughs> nine (laughs) catches for david and joku just something can i just get some green dots in the secondary that's all i want to chart with green dots down the field how about i mean for real mary Kay? how far are you making me push this i don't know if a little farther a little far you catch for 11 yards you got to go a little you got to go a little bigger than that but i I think he'd have other things i'm not saying he'll only have two catches but at least i'll go all right four (laughs) four Four catches for David and Joku that the ball travels at least 10 years in the air before it hits his. And also, he's going to catch it when it hits his hands because he knows he's screwed up okay. against him. Yeah, you either got to go more catches or you, either, or you have to go a little bit longer. Do they have okay, two completions the whole year Sorry. to anybody <laughs> of more than 20 yards? They got the DPJ one. Do they have a second one? This passing offense could fit in my Detroit bathroom Lions, at the moment. Though. These are bold predictions. Uh, boldish. I'll say four. I'll say four. Four in Joku catches at least 10 yards down the field. I will say that he he seems to be the, uh, uh, I'm not 
sure who else would be fifth average depth target on the team, but that includes OBJ in there. So take him out. Richard Higgins is also above him, but that's on so few catches. So, I mean, he's basically behind Schwartz and TPJ uh, on, you know, targets that are, are, that are deep down the field. So I don't know how many he'll get, but I do believe that he is the guy that they're going to try it with. Now the Lions, one of the things they actually have done fairly well is uh, deny games without tight ends doing much against them. They're eighth in uh, fewest receptions against by tight ends. Uh, so there's that, but I do think that with three of them on the field a lot, like the Browns have, I think Najoku has a chance to get that matchup and, and be the guy who's, who's getting those looks. So whatever, whatever number we settled on, I'll, I'll go ahead and agree with you. What was the final number that we settled on? Four, four, at least four. I'm sorry. I'm being so mean about it. No, this. it's fair. No, it's fair. <laughs> I like what people are mean to be. Bring it. Four. Let's go, David. Four seems a little high, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> See, Mary Kay set you up just so oh. she could disagree with you. <laughs> that was I admire that so much. Uh, you know, it just it does. Now that now that we're talking about it, it does seem a little bit much for 10 yards or more. Um, I'm feeling more like maybe three for 15 or 20 yards or more. So I'm gonna have to go with an under the under on the number of four of 10 yards or more. But I like debating four better than two. Two yeah. is going to be too easy. We were all going to be over on that. Mary, so Mary Kay's the mom who just like knows what you did and just wants to make you say it so that she <laughs> can say, I knew. <laughs> That's what happened here. So I, I did a little research here on, on the fly. Uh, George Kittle, four for 78. Um, against the Lions in week one. Uh, let's see, the Ravens, Mark Andrews had five for 109. Uh, mm. Pat, Fry Pat Fryermuth had five for 31 last week. He was targeted nine times. So tight ends have had some success against this group. Still, I'm going to go, if we're saying four of 10 or more yards, I got to go under. You're going over, Dan? Under. Oh, you're going under, four of 10 under. yards, you're going under, okay. Don't forget about they try to get the ball to Austin Hooper too. They're still trying to keep that rolling along. But every pass to Austin Hooper is a six yard flip. I know. So I'm talking about like, I think, as Scott said, I think like he, uh, among healthy players, I think he's the guy with the best shot. So I think they'll keep flipping little stuff to Hooper, little rollout flip. And I'm not saying those are bad. Little six yard chunk, great. Second and four, keep the chains moving. But you've got to do more than that with this pass game. And I think I think Njoku's the guy. Yeah, Doug, I'm surprised this prediction of yours did not somehow work in Garrett Wilson because that's what I was expecting. But <laughs> I will take I'll take the over. I'll go with you on this one. I mean, basically based on what has already been said. Like if it's gonna be a tight end, it's probably gonna be him. He did make the comment about, you know, after that what should have been a touchdown against the Patriots, how it was a lazy play and everyone's kind of said, hopefully it's a learning experience and, and all that stuff. So um, if we're going to be bold, bold with these, I'll take the over. And I will go ahead and, and make this the fifth podcast this week where I will say that the Browns should draft Garrett Wilson in the first round in April. Okay. <laughs> Mary Kay, how about you? Okay. So before we taped the pod, we were talking about how we've gotten to the point where uh, Doug was really making this point 
about how we've kind of gotten to the point where we know sort of what everyone is and it's kind of getting a little difficult to to try to make some of these predictions and sort of make them sound a little fresh and different so i'm trying here uh not really sure if it's going to work but uh trying to put a little bit of a different spin on this prediction my prediction is my prediction is and i'm going to just throw it out there first i'm not going to give you my answer yet um and it is baker mayfield will average the same amount that Jared Goff got in his second contract of $33.5 million and, um, and true or false, he, he will make it to the end of his second, second contract in Cleveland, unlike what happened with Jared Goff, who is now with the Detroit Lions after the big old trade. Wow. What a bomb. <laughs> Are we going nine hours on this podcast? <laughs> Pull back the curtain here. Every time before we hit record, I'm like, who's got a good one to lead us off? Who's got a, who's, who first of all came up with a prediction and isn't just doing it on the fly. And secondly, who's got a really good one to lead us off? Nothing. <laughs> Crickets from Mary Kay. Just crickets. <laughs> and then she just throws this one at us. Doug, you can yell at me if you want to, because, you know, I rejected your prediction. So you can do the same. This is, this is so far the other way. This is like my prediction was like a tiny little slider, <laughs> a little one ounce of meat. And then Mary Kay went out and murdered a cow by herself. That's the difference in the gravity of this prediction. This is like a 10 part off season series. Will <laughs> Baker Mayfield make it to the second, the end of his second contract in Cleveland. Are you really making us go on the record at on the fifth question of a game preview podcast of whether Baker Mayfield will be the Browns quarterback in 2027. That's what we're doing. You don't it's have all to riding on this game. <laughs> and Scott said, go big or go home. I think, right. I think I heard that somewhere <laughs> on the spot, right? So I didn't want to go home. I mean, I'm here. So um, you don't have to give me a completely definitive answer because uh, like, you know, like your prediction that one week, you know, you, like if you're not up for that, you don't have to do that. But <laughs> if you're not feeling it, you don't have to do that. But I think it is, it is a topic worth discussing, right? I mean, Jared Goff is somewhat of a comp. For Baker Mayfield, Dan, right? I mean, we've kind of talked about this a little bit. Yes. So yeah. Jared Goff in his career is potentially somewhat of a Baker comp. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it won't work out like that. But I think it's worth kicking around a little bit. So, so and, and just to expand on that, when, when you look at the career arc of Jared Goff, right? Came in out, rookie years were different, but we'll kind of say 2019 was the equivalent of what Jared Goff's rookie year was in LA really bad Sean McVay comes in they go to the Super Bowl together everybody's talking about how great this relationship is it works Sean McVay unlocked Jared Goff and now here we are in 2020 and the Rams were attaching first round picks to get Jared Goff out and bring Matthew Stafford in Baker how is this going to play out are we going to you know 
disaster of 2019. They find the right coach to mesh with him. Great relationship. They get along. Is it going to continue or is it going to end at some point in the same way that the Rams and Jared Goff ended? That was sort of the, the discussion we were having after so many things kind of happened this week, you know, the game and certain people offering up criticisms and, and options for the Browns and Baker Mayfield and what they might do moving forward. So, yeah, very, I, I, I mean, this is kind of the time to bring it up, right? With Jared Goff potentially playing on Sunday, although he might not. Um, cool boy. This is a tough one. All right. I actually have a very complicated and definitive answer on this because I have been thinking about it and I have talked about it elsewhere. And if Mary Kay is going to make me talk about it, I'll talk about it. Do it. I am much further down the line on believing that Baker Mayfield is not the long-term answer for the Browns than I was a week ago. I thought last week was disastrous. Now the shoulder is complicating. I understand that, but at some point, you know, what you did in the past is not good enough. Like what you're doing right now is taken into consideration. And every time I thought about Baker Mayfield in the future, to me, it's if not him, who? But when you see the Patriots get a quarterback in the middle of the first round who looks ready as a rookie, it's like, maybe it's not so hard to find quarterbacks. And the Browns, when they drafted Baker Mayfield, were in a position where they had never tried. They had never taken a quarterback in the top 10. They had never given an effort. They had always tried to get by with second choice, leftover second tier guys, Brady Quinn falls, Brandon Whedon falls, whatever. That's not where they are. Now they did try. And if it didn't work out, now you can go to second tier stuff because the whole point with Baker was, was investing. They did invest, but I do think both comps are on the table for them, whether it's golf being traded for a veteran whether it's Carson Wentz having a rook, another quarterback drafted behind him, a secondary option. And I could see the Browns either drafting a Jalen Hurts next year. And I think there are going to be some second tier quarterbacks who might be there in the second round. A guy like Sam Howell, who's maybe not lighting it up like people thought. Matt Corral, Malik Willis, Willis there are going to be some interesting quarterbacks in this draft. I'm there to think about it, not to replace him, but to give him a, another option. And I am on the. I am thinking if there are veteran quarterbacks there for a trade, if you can trade Baker Mayfield for Russell Wilson, or if there's something out there in the offseason, I'm there thinking about it. And any Browns fan who was more invested in Baker Mayfield they, than they are in the organization, I don't know why you would pick your quarterback over your team. This is not a shot at Baker Mayfield because the Browns are not incompetent now. And in the old era, if you thought, I don't trust this front office, I don't trust the team, I don't trust the ownership, I don't trust anybody, I'm going to lean into the players. That's not where they are. So I think you lean into the front office, and if they determine that this is not the quarterback to get them over the top, I don't think you can set the franchise on fire and, and pick Baker over the Browns. I know there are some very loyal fans out there, but I think you're loyal to your team first, and they've given this guy a long look. And if they're at the point where he's not the guy, I'm not saying one game is what you go on. I'm saying last week was really, really bad. So my answer is no. I don't think Baker Mayfield gets to the end of a second contract in Cleveland, and I will happily be wrong if that's if I am wrong. Well, that is just a phenomenal answer for a guy <laughs> that really wasn't too sure about me throwing this little prediction out. That was pretty darn good. I mean, it sounds like you have given this – a lot of thought over the past week and 
Where else did you say this before you said it on our podcast? Yeah, seriously, there's I some rogue Browns it. podcast no, out there. I said it on a Columbus radio station. Uh, I wouldn't heard it. I mean, I, this is the kind of thing, if I was a competent employee, I would have written a column on this and people would have read it already. But like, I, I, I didn't want to listen. Talking is talking and writing is writing, right? Writing, yes. they writing, they put it in the Google machine and people can find it forever. This thing evaporates in 24 hours. I don't know how the podcast works. Does it though? Does it though? The internet's forever, Doug. Yeah. So the thing is, I didn't want to write that. I didn't want to write like, should the Browns trade Baker for Russell Wilson after one bad game? So I want to see how he looks against Detroit. And I want to see how he looks in the first game against Baltimore. But like, if it feels like it's trending away, then this will appear on cleveland.com in the bye week. So <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to say no, that he's not going to, finish his second contract i don't know if he's gonna get the problem is i don't know what the numbers are gonna look like with the cap you know the cap's gonna go up here soon so it depends on the timing of the extension and that money that jared goff got when he got it was like whoa that's crazy money and now it's like oh whatever 30 million dollars for a quarterback sure why not so i i don't know about the number it's hard for me to put that in perspective but i i'll just say and i've, I've said this a few times like with this team, just follow the money. They've got two of the three highest paid guards in football. No other team has that. In fact, no other team has two of the top 20 highest paid guards in football outside of Washington. One of their guys is playing on a franchise tag. They have $18 million a year tied up in their running backs. That's, that's not a team that's gearing up to give their quarterback $40 million. So I, I think his contract, if he signs one, is going to – I think they would rather do a reasonable, probably in that 25 to $30 million range. And if you pay your quarterback 25 to 30 million a year, that's not really screaming that this is our guy until what did you say, Doug, 2027 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to say right now, if, if, if I'm reading the tea leaves, right, I, I don't see it. I, I think I'm going to agree with Doug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'm also going to agree with you guys just because I'm like, these things work until they don't, right? Like we've brought up the Jared Goff example, but him and Sean McVay were this perfect partnership until they weren't anymore. And that's a long time from now when we're talking about Baker getting through a second contract here. I just don't know. And, you know, again, like I don't like to pin all of this on on one game. And um, once again, to reiterate what Mary Kay has been saying for weeks now about how important these Baltimore games are, but that's just such a long time for now. And, you know, again, Dan's written about that multiple times with the money. And I, I just think guys like Nick Chubb, guys like Miles Garrett, these guards, these guys that they've handed all of this money to already are, I think, really important to who this organization wants to be. And Baker Mayfield's had a huge role in shaping that and in shaping the culture and, and all that stuff. And that's not to knock him for any of that. But I just think at the end of the day, I don't know if this is viable seven, six, seven years down the line from now. Yeah, one of the bad things about being on a podcast with five people is that if you're the last one to say stuff on a topic, everything's been said. So I will agree that I do not, well, I'll say this. There's a difference between making it to the end of your second contract and making it to the end of your second contract as a starter. And I, I don't think Baker makes it to the end of his second contract as a starter, just based on everything we've seen so far. I just the consistency issues. We have not seen him do or play at a high level over the course of an entire season. And that's what we talked about all this off season, right? Was he going to actually 
be able to replicate what he did over the second half for an entire season. And yeah, the injuries have played into it and, and all that. Um, but I, at this point, there's nothing that makes me think that, yeah, he would make it to the end of his second contract and he would be the starter, right? If you're saying that you're banking on him turning things around of kind of getting better than he has been. And if that's the case, then why do you truly believe that he can get to the end of his second contract? So I'm going to say no, or at the very least, I'll say if he does get to the end of his second contract, he probably wouldn't be the starter. And the, sh- the, sh- the shoulder is complicating, right? I mean, like we just, right. it, it, I feel, I almost feel bad. Like, I don't want to sound like a fan, like not believing in Baker, but whatever. It's like, oh, now this guy, I don't know. And it's like his shoulder is falling off his body. He has a harness holding it in place in every game. Of course that affects him. So I wish we, I really wish we were evaluating not a hundred percent healthy Baker Mayfield, but certainly healthier than he is. Mm-hmm. Cause I almost feel like disingenuous sort of bailing on him while he's fighting through an injury, but I, I this is where we are. Well, that, that's yeah. been the problem evaluating Baker throughout his career. It's always something, you know, if you're evaluating behind a, a sieve of an offensive line or, or with play callers who, who are, you know, not doing a great job or just, he doesn't have the weapons or this or that or injuries. It's, it's just, it's always something. And that does make it hard for sure. You know, I think it is very difficult to get a read on Baker Mayfield this season, and we have been talking about that, and it's not just because of his shoulder injury and his foot injury and now his knee injury. I think it's also a little bit difficult uh, to get a handle on it because of everything else that has gone on around him, and I've been thinking about this for a column that I'm working on, and I'm still sort of grappling with what my headline is. You know, I mean, you have to really think of what your headline is, I think, uh, before you sit down to actually write. I think that's one of the things that I always try to do is like, okay, what am I trying to say here? And if I can't get that, then I just don't start writing it yet because you're just going to be all over the place. So I'm still trying to determine exactly what it is I'm trying to say uh, about Baker Mayfield this week. But one of the things that I've come to the conclusion is that there are so many things that have gone wrong around him. The, The Odell Beckham Jr. saga rattled the heck out of him. I mean, that that's bad. I mean, this is a young man, right? I mean, that was bad to have LeBron James and everybody doing a uh, free OBJ thing. I mean, that, that was tough. I and mean, when you go back to the first game of the season, his left tackle gets injured and he hasn't been himself the whole entire rest of the season. He lost Jarvis Landry uh, for four games to a sprained knee. Odell Beckham was supposed to play in the first game and he did not play in the first two games. And, and uh, Baker Mayfield, I think in part as a result of that, ends up with the torn labrum and uh, in his shoulder. And then you lose Kareem Hunt, who is in a lot of ways a glue that holds this offense together, both the run game and the passing game. He hasn't been around in a long time. We have not seen uh, the real offense and the real Baker Mayfield this season. We just haven't seen it. So I do think that it is difficult to really figure out who he is and what he is this year. And you don't necessarily want to give up on that too soon when you don't know what it is. Uh, by the same token, they're built to win now, and you have to think long and hard about running it back next year and doing it all over again, and then you find out six games in that maybe it wasn't the shoulder, and maybe it wasn't Judd Wills being injured, and maybe it wasn't this, and it wasn't that. So I think it's, it's a very, very difficult crossroads that everyone is in, but because of that, I think that... I'm going to have to say right now at this moment, 
I have my doubts and I'm not going to say definitively what I think is going to happen or not happen. I have my doubts about whether or not he is actually going to get that long-term multi-year extension. Right now, it almost seems to me that the more prudent option would be to play it out a little bit and see what you have next year. Because you can get to the end of next year when they have them under contract for 18.6 and you can franchise them. So you have some options. You do not have to shell out a Jared Goff type contract right now or a Carson Wentz or a Deshaun Watson or a Jared Allen type of contract. You don't have to do it. And I think this year was a big caution sign. Like we need to wait and see what this is before we can move forward. So I, I think I, that's where I'm at. I do think it doesn't matter if it's not fair to Baker, they still might just say, anyway, we're not going to do it, right? Even if all the things are true, he hasn't had his guys. He has battled injuries. He has had a lot of different coaches, but like, we know it's not fair, but we got to, how long can we wait? So I think that point is right. And if, I think I agree with you, Mary Kate, but I'd bring in somebody. I mean, I I would bring, I would draft somebody that, that you can have the Jalen Hurts scenario, I think is real. And this is my, I'll do this really quick. This is my quarterback theory of teams. If you aren't investing in the quarterback position, it's like a person, like a schlubby person who's kind of just sitting around playing video games, not going to the gym, not investing in themselves, right? And then that schlubby person finds somebody that they like and they think, oh, no, I'm going to I'm gonna maybe try to get a better job. I'm going to stop lying around all day. I'm not going to get out of the sweatpants. I'm going to go to the gym. And you make yourself a better person because you found somebody you like. That's what organizations do when they invest in a quarterback. So the Browns for 20 years were sitting around in sweatpants and then they drafted Baker Mayfield and he made the organization better because they had to rise for him. So now if it doesn't work out with the first person that you like and you break up with them, now you're a better person when you go out into the world and find the next person. So it's a bit, there's a better chance of it working out because you got abs, right? You're eating vegetables. you got a promotion at work. you got a nicer car. You got some money in the bank because of the first quarterback. And then the second quarterback comes along and you're ready for him and you get married. So Baker Mayfield has gotten the Browns out of their sweatpants, but it doesn't mean they're definitely going to get married. Why are we hating on sweatpants? (laughs) If you're going to the gym, you're going to put sweatpants on, Doug. That analogy was all over the place. Full disclosure, (laughs) full disclosure, I haven't been to the gym in a year and a half, and I am currently wearing sweatpants. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Doug, are you sure there's some super secret, like, Doug Brown's podcast out there that, like, we don't know about? You've made all these points. Sometimes I make podcasts just for myself that I never release. Browns, so Browns by Doug or something like that. Might have been one of those. <laughs> All right. Uh, so mine is not a prediction because, listen, I didn't do my job and I didn't come up with a prediction. But I want to throw this out there. This game, this is just a true or false. The only way the result of this game matters is if the Browns lose. True or false. True. You can get glean nothing positive from this game. I don't think like it. They're supposed to bounce back. Like if they win and do well, they're doing what they're supposed to do. So it truly does only matter. And like if they do lose, the wheels are totally falling off. And where do you go from that point? 
Um, and it becomes how many more games are they even going to win this year? Like, forget about the playoffs. Like, I, I just think if they win and do well, it's what they're supposed to do. And I've been saying that, I think, since, like, last week. I think I might have said that on the post-game podcast on Sunday. Like, it's the Lions. The Lions are what they are this year. And, yes, like, you know, everyone comes out this week. And Joel Batonio today on Thursday, you know, makes the comments, anything can happen in the NFL. And that is true. But at the same time, it's the Lions. And you look at all their numbers this year and the fact that they don't have a win, the Browns will just be doing what they're supposed to do if they do win. I'm going to say false on this one um, because they're at this uh, they're at this critical point in the season like they were last year. Every single victory counts and is vitally, vitally important. If they had not won one of those games that they won last year, even if those games seemed sort of insignificant in Jacksonville or whatever the case may be, uh, they would not have made the playoffs. So uh, they're they're in a dogfight. They are in an absolute dogfight. Can I interrupt real quick? Yes. We got a review from a dog lover who asked you to not use the phrase dogfight anymore. Wow. I, I, that's the thing. That's a bomb too. I just dropped that bomb right on your head in the minute of your analogy. <laughs> so I don't oh. know if you could say cat fight, maybe like a bird fight. I don't know. I just, I just thought I'd, I'd, I was looking through the reviews. Most of them were about like how they like everybody else and they hate me, but Mary Kay, <laughs> almost like the, no, just, it's just a dog lover. I just thought I'd pass it along. I probably should have passed it along off the podcast, but I'm bad. At this. <laughs> okay. So, and I'm certainly, for anybody that knows me, not going to say cat fight for a number of <laughs> for a number of reasons. I mean, you know, not the least of which, of course, is that, and Ashley will agree with me on this, anytime two women have the slightest disagreement, everybody wants to call it a cat fight. And I have a huge problem with that whole concept. What is that uh, dog fight like D-A-W-G? Like the dog yeah. spelling for the team. That's maybe not a real a maybe, real maybe we just then. we just need to come up with an animal that we can use that is just say kerfluffle. Neutral. Can we use yeah, kerfluffle? Yeah. A hamster a fight. Kerfluffle. Hmm. All right. How about, how about a mascot fight? We've seen mascots fight. Yeah. 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 Let's do that. Okay. So they've got a mascot fight on their hands <laughs> for the rest of the entire season. And they have to win. They're going to have to win every single game that they possibly can. And the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs could be this game against the Detroit Lions. So I'm going to say false. I think it's vitally important either way. I agree with Mary Kay. I think they need a fake. They just need to feel good about themselves and they'll take anyone they can get. And by the way, this team just tied a team that beat the Browns and the Lions would have beaten the Ravens if not for literally the greatest field goal in NFL history. So <laughs> they're winless, but I actually think they're they're a good winless team. So I agree with Mary Kay. What was the question again? So I'll make sure I understand the premise here. Basically, and, and maybe I maybe I, I worded it wrong. Maybe there's a better way to word it. But I, I basically said true or false. The only way the result of this game matters is if the Browns lose. Yeah, so you're saying that if they play they, poorly and still win, that doesn't matter? Because I think that would matter for a team that's lost four of six. And if you go out and you really, no matter what happened with the Steelers and Lions last week, um, if you come out and you really struggle to get a win, then 
yeah, it's a win and that's important, but you're still kind of in the same hole you've been in for this past month where just so much has gone wrong. And I think that would be a bad place to be. Getting the win is great. They need that. But I think that winning ugly would, that wouldn't be good. I, I think in the sigh of relief sense, they need to win this game, right? But I also think like the appetite from fans and even I bet the appetite from the team itself to like celebrate a win like they're probably going to get on Sunday is like, eh, okay, whatever, just move on. I mean, in the past, we've seen them be bad teams and it's like celebrate like these press conferences or the greatest press conferences we've seen and there's hype videos on Instagram and like, I feel like the appetite for that stuff, I feel like the Patriots just sucked the appetite for a lot of that stuff out. And like, you know what, just go beat the Lions and then let's focus on these two games against the Ravens. So I guess that's kind of like Mary Kay, you're right. They, they do need to win this game. You know, they, they need to win every game they can. And this is sort of, this is their, this is their gimme right here. This is, this is the one that like, you, you just got to take care of business and we count them up at the end of the year and whoever has the most win gets in the playoffs. But um, I, I think from uh, what we learn about this team, I don't think we're going to learn anything about this team if they win, but we learn, like Ashley was saying, I think we would learn a whole lot about this team if they go out and get beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess like the way the question that's, that was kind of my larger point. You summed that up yeah. very nicely. Like, of course a win matters with how close the, the AFC is, but it's, do we learn anything? They should put the barge on this game, I think. No, preseason only. Oh, come on. Preseason only. It would mean so much more. I mean, then your question just takes on a whole new meaning if there's a barge. The barge is for, who was that defensive end's name that Miles Garrett basically mocked on Hard Knocks for only having one pass rush move? Was that Nate Orchard? (laughs) The barge is for Nate Orchard pick sixes in the fourth quarter. Well, you know, look, the barge got Freddie Kitchens a job. So it's the preseason. It really All did. right. We got to make our predictions here. Um, I got to look up an updated line. I believe it was 11 and a half at one point. Um, but we Can I jump up. in with a second yeah. thing real quick that's directly related to picking this game? My, my second thing, if I did one, was will the Browns score 20 points? Because the Lions scored 33 in their opener, and they haven't topped 20 points since. The Lions in every game since the opener, they're averaging 14.6 points per game. The mm. Browns scored at least 20 in four of their first five games, but the Browns have only topped 20 once in their last five games. Mm-hmm. And there are 23 teams in the league scoring at least 20 points a game. The Browns are one of them. They are currently 18th in the league. It's 23 points per game. But in their last five games, they're averaging 17.8 points per game. So, like, if they score 20, they win. But can they score 20? So now we can pick our scores. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um, all right, so I'm looking for the line here on this game. So ESPN.com has it at uh, Browns by 11 and a half points. Um, I couldn't pull up FanDuel here, so I don't have an over-under for us. But uh, 11 and a half points the Browns are favored by this week. I mean, I'll just, is anyone – no one's picking the Lions, right? No. Okay. Nope. Just, nope, nope, to, nope. To win the game? To win, to the, win game. the game? To win the no. game. Okay. Doug, it sounds like you might be picking them to keep it close though. I can't believe it's 11 and a half. That seems very high to me. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that 
especially given the injuries in the receiver room and how the passing game looked last week and still no Kareem Hunt. Now, obviously, if Nick Chubb plays, that would be a big deal. Um, but I think the Browns will win. I think they'll score 20. I have 26-19 Browns, but I would take the Lions plus 11 and a half. Does anybody else see a, a Jared Goff issue? back at practice? Do we know if yeah, Jared that, Goff was back at practice? That, that's so many variables. We don't know what's going on with Goff or Chubb. Um, I haven't seen an update. Did you say you saw somebody say he was back, Scott? Uh, I just saw some on Thursday here. at about 3.15. So. He missed Thursday's practice with his oblique injury. So that's uh, two in a row that he has missed. He's sitting out. But this is also one of those things like be careful assuming that Jared Goff is actually their best quarterback. Correct. Like not even guy's, a joke. This guy's their third stringer, though, that's going to play. I mean, have you watched Jared Goff? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, this is this is not a definitive step down. No. I'm going uh, Browns 30, 14. Um, just no real explanation for that. I just think that that's what it should be. So that's what my prediction is. I sort of feel like Nick Chubb is going to be back this week, and I think that's going to make a huge, huge difference. So I'm, I'm with Scott where I'm doing a more of a 30-something to teen-something. I, I would be more in the, like, the 32, 15, or 16 range, somewhere, like, somewhere along those lines. And I think that's the best-case scenario, too, because if you win by that margin and that type of score, you've had a good bounce-back game, and they really need that. Um, I was going to say Browns 31-14. Uh, so, again, very similar to what, what you guys were saying. But I do think Goff doesn't play. Browns maybe get a few guys back. They're a little bit angrier. The Lions pass defense is what it is. All these things we've already talked about, uh, they should win by a couple scores, I would think. I, I just have trouble picking this team to score 30 right now. Kind of like because of what Doug was saying, even against the Lions and – you know, Scott, you had mentioned it. It might be a little sloppy on Sunday. Um, some rain, a little bit of wind. Now, the Lions ran the ball a bunch last week, and I think the Browns would get right in the run game. I mean, they've been better against the run than what they showed against the Patriots. So I, I think they'll get right a little bit against the run. So I'm going to say that the Browns win this one, let's say 20 – I'm going to go a weird number, 22 to 12. So Dan and I are taking the Lions with the points, though. I would, I just, which I I I don't feel real comfortable with, to be honest. I mean, again, the Lions, they lost by two to the Ravens on the Tucker 66 yarder that hit the crossbar. They lost by two to Minnesota. They just tied Pittsburgh. Like, again, this is, I think the Lions are better than like the 0 and 16 Browns. There, there are, and again, I just think that there's a way to where they won't miss their quarterback. Just like when the Jets, when Zach Wilson didn't play and they played Mike White, and it's like, oh, no, he's better than Zach Wilson. You know, that sometimes you have to play a guy because he's either uh, like a rookie that you invested in or a high-priced veteran, but he's actually not very good, but you have to play him. And then you play somebody else, and other guy's like, cool, I get to play now. And he's a little better. So I just I, – I, I'm not completely dismissive of Detroit. So – and that, make, that means – just that just means 11 and a half is kind of a big line in the NFL. Yeah, and I, and I just don't see this being like a party at First Energy Stadium. I really do feel like this is just, a, oh, oh, my God, please just go win this game. <laughs> sort of. Uh, and, I, and they will. I, I don't have any doubt that they will. But I, I just don't see this being like, a, whoo, Browns are back. I, I think it's just win this game and get to Baltimore. All right. Unless I take it away. I mean, they, they did that against Cincinnati because they took it away. 
So, I mean, that's what turnovers do to you. So if you think they're going to go out and have a pick six and get short fields based on a couple fumbles and that kind of thing, then, then it can get that way, but that's hard to bank on. Okay. I think we're set. Those are our predictions here for the Browns and Lions. First energy stadium, one o'clock. And then of course they get into the big ones where they played Baltimore twice in the span of three weeks, the bye week in between the Ravens have the Steelers in between. So uh, this is going to get really interesting uh, after this week for the Browns, still seven games left in this, the longest NFL season ever. And boy, is it starting to feel like it. Uh, for Ashley Scott, Mary Kay and Doug, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.